Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, December 18th, 2022. Today's sermon will be from Romans chapter 15. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. It's been a while since I've um, been up here to be able to preach. I just was talking with Mr. Jimmy about how the first time I ever spoke in front of a group of people from the Bible was in Sunday school in that room back there. Um, it was about five years ago, maybe five and a half years ago. So it's, it's, it's amazing to see God's providence and grace through this church in my life. And um, so it's really cool, even though right now I'm still in Kansas City and I just graduated with my bachelor's a few weeks ago. And... Uh, I'll be starting my master's in the spring at Midwestern, so that's kind of what's happening in my life. Um, but I, I always want to express my gratitude and thankfulness to this church um, for, as I can say, to uh, many, many people in this church that have been so influential in my life. And I can look back to wherever the Lord will bring me to the future, and I can look back and see where this was um, really the, the fostering of my spiritual discipleship um, of letting me teach um, the Bible, letting me go on mission trips, and, and letting me be uh, impacted by this church. So I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Um, what I want uh, us to look at today, um, if you have your Bibles, turn into Romans chapter 15, looking at verses 15 to 24. So what I want us to see is that everything that, Lord willing, I'm speaking today is coming from the Word of God, so that as you see, um, having our eyes on the Bible, that any points of, of emphasis or application will come from the Bible itself. Okay, so as you're turning there, I'm, I'm going to begin with a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you would come and speak through me now, that uh, you would open our hearts to behold wondrous truths in your word, that we would see Christ as beautiful today. I pray, Lord, that you would, um, you would hide me behind the cross, that Jesus would be glorified, and that, Lord, somehow, in some way, um, a soul would be saved, or, Lord, that a, a, a member of the church would desire to go to the mission field, uh, or that even just all of us here would be inspired, would be motivated to be um, great commission, global-minded Christians for the rest of our lives. Lord, I pray that, that Grace Baptist Church would just be a mighty tool in your um, sovereign plan to bring about your glory to the ends of the earth here in China Grove. May you start with us now um, and continue as you have been doing for many years. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question I have to introduce a sermon is, what is your ambition in this life? What is the thing that whenever your mind starts wondering, what is it that you began to think about? What do you naturally start turning your thoughts, your mind, your heart's affections towards? So the Bible speaks of something as an ambition, and an ambition is something that you long to do. It's something your heart urges for. You have this longing in your heart, and the Bible speaks of many different ambitions. So I'm using an ambition from um, John Piper. He, he speaks of a holy ambition. It's something that God says in his word, and you also really, really desire that. 
So that could be missions, but that also could be other things. So anyone who desires the office of an overseer in 1 Timothy 3, they desire a good task. Anyone who desires to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord desires a good thing. Anyone who desires marriage desires a good thing. And if your ambition is towards those ends, those are good and godly ambitions. But what I want us to see is that the question I ask, what does your mind go to when it wonders? One, one author once said, the, when your mind, what the first thing that comes to your mind about God is the most important thing about you. When you start thinking about who God is, that is the most important thing about you. So as I introduce, speaking of ambition, but today in Romans 15, I wanted to show you what Paul's ambition was and so that how our ambition could be aligned with Paul's ambition in Romans 15. In Romans 15, verse 20, Paul speaks of a glorious ambition. He speaks of an ambition that is not of this world, and it's fueled by something greater than the pleasures of this world. His ambition was to preach Christ where he has not been yet named. I'm asking you today to open your heart to the possibility of someone from this congregation being willing to go where Christ has not yet been named. And I know this church in history, just even with sending Abigail and Olivia and um, the Ronaldos, would just, I want to continue seeing that at Grace Baptist Church, that the Lord would still continue to rise up, raise up people to go overseas. So I can affirm that not everyone is supposed to go on the mission field, but I know that God will call whomever he desires to be his ambassadors in a land that is flooded with darkness. So four truths that I have for what fuels a holy ambition. First, a holy ambition is fueled by worship. A holy ambition is fueled by worship. Secondly, a holy ambition is fueled by an objective. Third, a holy ambition is fueled by scripture. And then lastly, a holy ambition is fueled by senders. Hey, Kill. Could you want to get me some water? Thanks. So a holy ambition is fueled by worship, an objective, scripture, and then senders. So we'll be spending most of our time on the first point, and then we'll move quickly through the last three. So um, looking at verse 15 and 16, let's read those together. But on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So it is essential to begin with worship being the fuel of missions. Worship is the end for which we were created. God created us. God has placed us here in this room. The reason we have breath in our lungs, the reason that we are here at Grace Baptist Church is in order to worship and glorify God. That is why you were created. He created us that we would worship him in spirit and truth. He created us that we would love him, know him, and honor him with our lives. And so this is the purpose that God Almighty has put you here on earth is so that you would worship him and glorify him. So we find ourselves in a predicament. 
if this is the end for which humans were created, was to worship and glorify God, there is a problem. There are millions and billions of people that are not glorifying and worshiping God. So this, this, is, this is the predicament we, could, we, we would look at and say, if this is the end for which we were created, why are there 3.7 billion people that aren't even in this category, that have, have never even heard of him or even known of him? The number is far greater than that, than people who do not truly worship God. But we're speaking to those who never even heard of Christ. So, um, this is, the, this is the, the, the problem, that people are not worshiping God as he ought. So how does, this, how does this connect to us? How does this connect to what's happening here? So in Paul's time, he's sent out to the Gentiles. The Gentiles began to believe, and then the Gentiles began to preach the gospel and go forward and forward and forward until now the gospel has come to America. So God's plan is coming to fruition, that people from all nations, tribes, Tongues and languages are coming to know this, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, how does Paul describe missionary service in Romans 15? He describes it as someone who is like a priest offering, preparing an offering to God. Look at verse 15 with me. On some points, I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So the aim of missions is what Paul is saying, is to be like a priest who is preparing this offering to God. So in the Old Testament, these, the priests would bring an offering and they would give it to God, an offering of sacrifice or thanksgiving, and that would be an act of worship to God. So what Paul is saying is missionary service, is that when someone comes to believe, what we're actually doing is presenting that person who believed to God as an offering, saying we are in this priestly service. And the reason Paul is saying priestly offering is because he's connecting worship to missions. He's saying this is what's the emphasis, because what happened in the temple was worship. So what we're doing is bringing others into that worship. This is why Paul says you're in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So as I said, the aim of missions is to be like a priest who prepares an acceptable offering to God. How are they an offering? Romans 12.1 explains how the Gentiles are an offering to God. Romans 12.1 says, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice acceptable by God, which is your spiritual worship. So the Gentiles are acceptable to God when their lives are lived in holy obedience to Christ. This is how this all comes together. A missionary goes out, someone comes to believe, they represent God, this person to God. That Gentile, that, that person then lives a holy life. And that is how that is ultimately coming in full obedience to God in a, in a God-glorifying manner. So we see in, in Romans 15.9, if you flip the page over Romans 15.9, we can see that Paul is showing us that the Gentiles are to glorify God for his mercy. Romans 15.9, the Gentiles are to glorify God for his mercy. He is already preparing his readers to see that missionary service is set on the nations worshiping God for his mercy. 
This is what he's preparing our hearts for. The nations are going to worship God for his great mercy. Now, how does this connect to us? How does this passage right now sit with us, Grace Baptist Church, in our hearts? Because we have received the grace of Christ, just as Paul has received the grace of Christ. Paul is a minister to the Gentiles because of the grace of God. He says this in verse 15, because of the grace of God. And so we now, in, 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 the, in the same manner, we are sent out fueled by the grace that we've, that we've received. So let's look at verse 16 and we'll continue reading. By the grace of God, I am a minister of Christ Jesus. Verse 17, in Christ Jesus, I have reason to be proud of my work, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. So because of the grace that Paul has experienced in his heart, he then longs for others to know this grace. So here's a story. Um, one time I was on an airplane, and I remember I did not want to share the gospel. I did not want to, um, I wanted to put my music in and go to sleep, and I was kind of like, you know, many, many of you guys may have experienced this, this feeling. I just was, uh, did not want to share. And I, I sat down, I put in my headphones, and the music I started listening to was all about the gospel. It was Christian worship music. And I started seeing, just hearing how Christ had died for my sins, how the grace of God had changed my life, and how I believe truly that Christ is the only way to salvation. And so as I was listening to that music, I just stopped my music and I was like, hi, how are you? Like, my heart overflowed to want to tell this person of who Jesus is. So what I'm saying is that when we feel the grace of Christ in our life and we believe it to the core of our being, we will want to share with other people. We will want to tell others about this. One author said that the gospel spawns missionary effort like light radiates heat. They're not disconnected. If that's disconnected, there's something wrong in our understanding of what the gospel is. So this is what Paul is saying. It's because of the grace of God. That's the reason I'm going to go and tell others about Jesus. And so the missionary task, it began with the apostles, and it's passed down to the Gentiles. And so we are now in this legacy of worship. People from all across the world, beginning with the apostles, have entered under the lordship of Christ, and they've seen and they've tasted his goodness and his mercy. And the fruit of this worship is Christ-filled obedience. So Paul understands obedience for the church Obedience for the Gentiles is advancement of the gospel. So this is why Paul says, look at me in verse 18 and 19. Paul says, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, and by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So how can Paul say, from Jerusalem to Illyricum, I fulfill the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So it kind of puts you guys in my shoes where I live. I live in Missouri right now. Um, so Jerusalem to Illyricum, this is Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, and Missouri. That's those four states combined and the same number of population in those four states. So Paul's saying, all of these four states, I've finished the ministry. I'm done and I can move on. The only reason he can say that is because the church has been obedient in preaching the gospel. That's how Paul can say, I can move on. So this is how it pertains immediately to Grace Baptist Church today. If Paul were here, he could say, I finished the work in China Grove, North Carolina because you're here. 
I can move on to another place because we're going to continue advancing the gospel to those who don't believe in our churches or in our communities, in our schools, in our, in our workplace. This is how Paul sees the connection of missionary service and the people staying behind. And so Paul is going to move on to places where Christ has not yet been known. And I imagine this. Picture this with me. Paul, he's looking at the Old Testament, and he's imagining this, this day when the nations are all going to be represented before the throne of God. I imagine that he would be looking at Isaiah 66, 18 through 20. You can just listen along with me. Imagine Paul reading this as he's preaching to the Romans. He says, beginning in verse 66, uh, chapter 66 of Isaiah, verse 18, For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and shall see my glory, and I will set a sign among them, and from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Pool, and Lud, who draw the bow, to Tabal and Javan, to the coastlands far away that have not heard my fame or seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the nations, and they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord. Isaiah prophesies this. He says that they shall bring the nations as an offering to God. And then Paul writes in Romans 15, that is our ministry. We are the ones bringing an offering to God through the preaching of the gospel. So we see how this all connects. Worship is the fuel of missions. That's why we go and that's why we were created. That's why people come to believe is so that God may be brought glory for what he's done in our lives. So firstly, a holy ambition is fueled by worship. Secondly, a holy ambition is fueled by an objective. So because Paul could say that his work is complete, he then knew that he had to move to a new place. His desire was to go to Spain, as you see in verse 24. So Paul is longing to go to Spain, and he tells us exactly what his ambition is. He says in verse 20, because my, my work is finished, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. So Paul's heart was to go where Christ has not yet been named, where no one knows of him. Many people have said, this is a great question, you may ask this now in your heart, why do I go to the ends of the earth if there are lost people in my town? This is a question you may all have right now. Why go to India? Why go to the middle of Africa in a village if there are lost people in my workplace? I want to answer that question for you. I'm going to quote Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a missionary who gave his life in Ecuador preaching the gospel um, to the people there. He says this, I'll tell you why I left. Because those stateside young people have every opportunity to hear, study, and understand the word of God in their own language. And these Indians have no opportunity whatsoever. I have had to make a cross of two logs and lie down on it to show the Indians what it means to crucify the man. What, what Jim Elliot is saying, I have to take two logs, put them on the ground in the shape of a cross to tell them this is what it means for a man to be crucified on a Roman cross. They have no context of what that means. They have no understanding of who Jesus is and what the gospel does to save them. He says, the difference is not lostness. The difference is availability. He continues to say, when there is that much ignorance here and so much knowledge and opportunity there, I have no question in my mind 
why God sent me here. He said, those whimpering stateside young people will wake up on the day of judgment condemned to worse fates than these demon-fearing Indians because having a Bible, they were bored with it, while these never heard of such a thing as writing. It's a very weighty quote that, he, that, that, I, that I just read from Jim Elliot. Imagine going to a place where you have to take two wood, pieces of wood and put them on the ground. You yourself lie down on it to tell these people this is what it means for Jesus to die. This is what it means for him to be crucified. Jim Elliot then prays, God, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life. May I burn for thee. Consume my life, my God, for it is thine. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. So an application for us today is that my heart is that you would see God as grand and that you would live for the winning of souls. It makes no difference if I was speaking to a thousand people or just us here in this room. We all have to wrestle with this. We all have to wrestle with this call. And as I said at the beginning, there are many godly ambitions in this life. What I want us to see from Romans 15 is that Paul's ambition was to go where Christ has not yet been named. Um, been named. Two years ago, I served for a summer, and, and I woke up hearing the call to prayer every morning. The call to prayer was a false idol worship that was bringing people into this worship of Allah. I know many of you have heard this when you've been to Turkey and other countries. Every morning at 4.30 in the morning, I would hear this, and, it'd and it would wake me up. And I remember sometimes feeling frightened, laying in my bed, hearing this, hearing this, this demonic worship. And I remember feeling this, this, this absolute lostness around me, this absolute darkness around me. And I would say to myself, I'd lay in my bed, and I would say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so I know that when I went to these places, when the, when the, when the God who's, who promised to bring us home safely, when he calls us to go to these places, these dark places around the world, when you wake up in fear in a dark and lost nation, know the Lord is with you. And that, that Psalm, Psalm 23, would put me back to sleep. And I would have that comfort in me, knowing that the Lord is with me. He will, he will bring me, and he will bring me safely to his, to his home. My, my heart for us here is that if, if there's ever any fear, God, what would happen if I went? Jesus himself said, I'm with you until the end of the age. Even Paul, Paul was in 2 Timothy, says, everyone left me. Timothy, everyone, they're all gone. But you know what he said? The Lord stood by me and strengthened me, and he will bring me safely into his kingdom. So this is the promise we have from his word. So first, a holy ambition is fueled by worship. Secondly, a holy ambition is fueled by an objective. And thirdly, a holy ambition is fueled by scripture. So let's begin in verse 20. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. 
Paul had an ambition, as I said earlier, but what was it fueled by? It was fueled by the word of God. He could not stay because the word of God gripped him. The Bible took a hold of his heart and it sent him forth to want to preach the gospel. Isaiah 52, 15 is what he's quoting. Those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand. If you ever wonder if God's calling you to the nations, say these four words, as it is written, as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand. Look back at me at the beginning of chapter 15. I want you guys to see this, that it's the Bible, it's scripture, is the major fuel for, God's, for Paul's ambition. Look at verse, at verse 9 to me, quoting in 2 Samuel 22, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. Then we see in Deuteronomy 32, 43, and again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Then we see in Psalm 117, 1, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, in Isaiah 11.10, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. So if you guys can see Paul's argument, he's putting scripture forward. He said, this is the reason I'm going. It's because the Bible has clearly portrayed this. The Bible has clearly said this. And so if you even look in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas are being sent to their first missionary service. And if you guys remember, how was Paul saved? Paul was on the road to Damascus getting ready to go kill Christians and he was seen, the Lord came in this one blinding light to Paul and he says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus himself is talking to Paul. Then Jesus then tells Paul, you are going to be my witness to the Gentiles. Jesus commissions Paul on the road to Damascus to be um, his his minister to the Gentiles. But then, whenever Paul and Barnabas are going on their first missionary service, what does Paul tell the church the reason they're going? Imagine if I came to you guys and I said, guys, I had a vision. Jesus came to me in the, in the night and told me, Josiah, you're going to India. It was verified. You guys believe me. It was people counseled around and said, that's, we believe that. Why would I not tell you that that's the reason that I'm, I'm going? Paul doesn't even mention that. He's not, it's not about his story. It's not about what, what God told him. It's about the scriptures. That's what Paul says. So in Acts um, chapter 13, he quotes Isaiah 49, 6, which says, I have made you a light to the nations. So I, I want to be clear here. Paul had one of the grandest testimonies we've ever seen in the world. Jesus himself tells him in that, in that vision, you're going to be my witness to the Gentiles. And Paul does not use that as the reason he's going to be a missionary. He uses the Bible. That's the reason he says, I'm going to the nations. So this is so clear for us. I want us to see this. So if you ever wonder whether or not you're called, listen to the word of God with me. Psalm 22, all the families of the nations will worship before you. Psalm 67, let the nations be glad, let the peoples rejoice. Luke chapter 3, verse 6, all flesh will see the salvation of God. Malachi 1.11, from where the sun rises to where the sun sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Habakkuk 2.14, for as the waters covers the sea, so the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. 
Hear the call of our Lord. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And then finally, we see this conclusion in Revelation 7. After this, John looks and says, Behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, all tribes, peoples, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So what is your great motivation in this life? In Paul's case, his holy ambition was to go to the nations, and it was fueled by Scripture. It was fueled by the Word of God. Mission is not the only holy ambition in this life. So if anything in your heart you desire, you have a, a, yearning, for, a yearning for, make sure it is supported by the Word of God and the counsel of other believers. If you ever say, I feel like this is something the Lord is leading me to, make sure the Bible and other wise people in your life have a say in that. So thirdly, a holy ambition is fueled by Scripture. And lastly, a holy ambition is fueled by senders. So the reason Paul wrote this letter was so that he could be supported by the church on his way to Spain. Let's read verses 22 to 24. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Paul says, I need your help to get me to Spain. I need you to help me as I go to Spain to preach the gospel where Christ has not yet been named. So if you were going from this church, you were going and for the rest of your life were being sent to be a missionary, what support letter would you write? This is kind of ironic because that's my desire. So what letter would you write? Would you write Romans? Would you write the letter of Romans to a church to say this is why you should support me? What Paul was doing in Romans was outlaying his whole theology of what he believed to be the gospel that saves sinners, the power of God unto salvation. That's what Paul was writing and concluding in Romans 15, he says, now I want you to help me as I go on my way to Spain. Paul had never been to Rome. They had to know what kind of gospel he was preaching. What kind of person are you? We've heard things about you from Jerusalem. We've heard things from the apostles, but we want to hear it from your own mouth, from your own words. What kind of gospel are you preaching? Paul is showing them what he believes. He's showing them he knows the scriptures. He knows theology. So what I want to do for the next few minutes, if I were to take an arrow and shoot it through the entire book of Romans, I want to see what a theme is of what is the gospel according to Paul. The gospel according to Paul. Beginning in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Romans 2, 5. He says, Do you presume on the riches and kindness of God's patience and forbearance, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? In Romans 3, 23, he says, For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In Romans 4, he speaks of Abraham. 
He says the words, it was counted to him, speaking of God's righteousness. He says it will not be counted to him only, but to us also who believe in him, who God raised from the dead and who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Romans 5, verse 8. He says that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 7, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then in Romans 8, this climax, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul then goes on to say, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall famine, shall nakedness or danger or sword? For as it is written, for your sake, we regard as sheep to be slaughtered. And then he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? As, as, he, as he continues to go on, he says, no, I'm sure in all these things, neither height nor depth nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor powers nor anything else in all of creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 9, he says, behold, I'm laying in Zion a, stumble, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And Romans 11, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Romans 13, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Romans 14. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord's. So then whether in life or in death, we are the Lord's. And then in Romans 15, Paul comes to this, this end. He says, Thus, I make it my ambition to preach Christ where he has not yet been named. So he concludes with Romans 16. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. In the preaching of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul's saying. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, the gospel which I just wrote out in one of the greatest theological documents that's ever been written, he says this is the gospel laid out clearly. This is the gospel and may it strengthen you. May it give you courage. May it build you up in Christ. And so this is what I'm saying to you here. May the gospel strengthen you. May it strengthen you and may it send you out to be a bold proclaimer of the gospel. As I said earlier, the gospel, it spawns desires to share the gospel as, right, as light, as heat radiates from light. The two are not disconnected. We must know this. Paul continues to say, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but it's now been disclosed through the prophetic writings and it has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God. Be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. My heart for us today is that we would be this kind of people, people who know the gospel, people who know it rooted deep in our hearts, that when others come to us, we're able to give a defense of the hope that we have, that we're rooted in the scriptures, 
everyone in this room, that we know the Bible, that we can, we can be able to teach it to others and say, this is the God we follow. It doesn't matter if you're never going to be a pastor or minister, but that we know the scriptures, that it affects our lives, and that it, it comes out of us a desire to tell others. This is a very common statement. We've heard this many times from this pulpit. There is either goers or senders, and then there's disobedient. So we, as a church, must be involved in the continuing of the Great Commission going forward. And it's always helpful to have this continual dripping of reminding us of the need for the gospel to go forward to the nations. And we're going to see this in Paul all throughout his writings. So in conclusion, what is your ambition? And what is it fueled by? Is it fueled by an all-surpassing vision to see specific peoples reached for the glorification of God. I, I say this of, uh, as someone who's met many people who will never leave the United States, but they are people who are the most on fire to see God's name be made great in the, in the world. Those two are not disconnected. You can be just as faithful here in the United States as a supporter, as a sender, as a prayer, as a giver, and being excited about those things. And so I just want to encourage us to continue in what we have been doing already. Paul was filled with the scriptures. He was filled with the word of God. So my desire for us to know today is that we worship a big and grand God. We worship a God that will cross cultures, religions, families, social uh, structures, politics, and whatever you think to make his name great. Charles Spurgeon once said, if God calls you to be a missionary, do not stoop to be a king. If God calls you to be a missionary, do not stoop to be a king. Let's pray. Father, we are so um, indebted to your grace and your mercy, Lord, as, as Paul said, because of the grace of God, I'm a minister of Christ Jesus. Because of his grace and mercy, Lord, I pray that we would all know the word of God in our hearts, that we would, we would be fueled by worship, Lord, whatever we do. Lord, that we would have a desire, Lord, from this sermon, from this Sunday, to bring your name great in our lives, Lord, that we would, um, we would go from the sermon inspired to know God more, inspired to, to know the scriptures more. Um, Lord, may you make us a humble people, Lord, who are ready and equipped in every way possible to be, to be bold proclaimers of the gospel. And so I just ask that you would continue to bless this church, Lord, that you would bring your name great glory at this church through the lives of the people here and through the regular preaching of your word and through the singing of, 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 of songs and through the prayer of your word. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.